Welcome to the Chicago Chi Alpha Podcast. We're so glad for you to join us on this week's episode as we continue in our thermostat series, Freedom and Purpose, from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. We'll continue this week's episode with our citywide director, Todd Lucas. Freedom and Purpose, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 is the verse that we've been landing on. And um, let me just give you what has been our working definition of freedom because there's a lot of different definitions of freedom and what that is. If I were to ask all of you here what this freedom means to you, I'm probably going to get about a dozen or more different answers. And so we're just trying to like lay a baseline here. And so freedom is not the ability to do whatever you wish to do. This is what we believe the Bible tells us. It's not the ability to do whatever you wish to do, but the liberty, everybody say liberty, to do all that you've been created to do. And we believe God created us with a purpose in mind. And God gives us this freedom so we can live out that purpose. And so we've been methodically walking through 1 Peter 2, 9, and we'll take a look at the verse up top. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So this is basically a list of affirmations in Holy Scripture to us from God. And we've been walking week in and week out. The first week we talked about being a chosen people. Last week we talked about being a royal priesthood and we talked about resources and responsibility. When you are resourced as we are as Christians, and God has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. When you have that, guess what comes with that? A responsibility. We talked last week about privilege and how me, there's gender privilege, there's, there's racial privilege, there's all different kinds of privileges that we see in society. And I talked about myself as a male, there are things that I don't have to worry about that my wife Chandra, who was just up here praying for Lauren, has to worry about, right? And that's called a privilege. Guess what comes with that privilege? A responsibility. And so as believers, we have resources. Yes, amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. You're giving me all these things. But we also have a responsibility to live on mission, to uphold the king's order when it comes to what does it look like in the kingdom. And we talked about how just like the, the British royal family, there are certain things that you can and cannot do. In the same way, we are royal, a royal priesthood. There are things that we can and cannot do. Or should I say we have the privilege of doing and not doing? And so every week we have what we call like a thesis statement. It's our timeless truth. It's something that's true at all times. And last week I shared that when we are unaware of God's provision, by default, we lack generosity. When you don't know that God has provided for you, you don't know you have those resources, we are going to live irresponsibly. We're not going to be generous with ourselves. We're not going to be generous with others. And so we talked a little bit about that. And earlier, I was talking with our Northwestern um, community, and I asked them, I said, hey, what is something that you cannot do alone? And we had some really funny answers. And um, people talked about marriage. You can't get married alone. I'm like, that's very true. Amen. And, and, and married couples who try to still act like they're not married, there are problems there, right? And so you can't get married alone. Um, somebody said you can't do tug of war. You can't do that alone, right? 
And then somebody chimed in and said, you can't work on a group project alone. And then another student said, uh-uh, that's very possible. <laughs> so we just had some fun with that. But you know what? Sanctification is not cultivated in isolation. That's our timeless truth tonight. We cannot grow into being the holy people that God has called us to be alone. It is impossible. You can challenge me, but I'm, that's a hill that I'm going to die on because the scripture makes it very clear. It is impossible for us to cultivate sanctification, that is being made to be like Jesus, in isolation. And I'm going to like build an argument here, and I'll share a few thoughts, and then we're going to pray. All right, but the title of today's message is A Holy Nation, Consecration and Community. Consecration and Community. And what we've been doing, we've been looking back in the Old Testament, 1 Peter chapter 2, this is a, a passage from the New Testament. But 1 Peter chapter 2 is in the New Testament, but it mirrors a passage in the Old, in fact, several passages, but especially uh, Exodus chapter 19, verse 6. And we looked at it last week. We don't have it up on the screen, but you should check that out sometime. And Exodus 19 is very interesting that it basically is almost verbatim. It's a mirror verse to 1 Peter 2.9. It talks about being a holy nation. It talks about being a royal priesthood. It talks about being God's chosen. And he's talking to the people of Israel in the Old Testament. Now, here's what's interesting if you look at it. And we talked about this last week. He told them that you will be my chosen people. You will be my special possession. You will be a holy nation. But right here in 1 Peter in the New Testament, talking to us now, he is saying you are. And so it's like a prophetic fulfillment of the passage that we saw in the Old Testament. But here is what was interesting. What made them a holy nation? The people of Israel. It was something as what we might think as insignificant as circumcision. It was a physical act that set them apart as God's chosen people. And at least that was the outward manifestation of it. Um, God wanted it to be much more than that. That was a symbol. But God had a covenant relationship with them. And let me tell you, they got it, but they really didn't get it. And that's my prayer for us as a community. May we get it tonight. May we get it in our hearts. What does it mean to be a holy nation? For them, they thought it was merely just the outward. Not Again, I'm, I'm talking macro, so there were some of them who truly connected with God and understood him in true relationship. But big picture in general, the people of Israel didn't fully get it. They thought that it was more of an, just an outward act that set them apart. It was their lineage that set them apart. No, but it was their relationship with God that set them apart that made them holy. And that's what God wants us to get tonight over these next few moments. And so thinking of that word holy, I think that is really interesting because when you hear that word, it's like a bad word sometimes. It's, it's, come on, work with me here. It's like literally a four-letter word, and we treat it that way. Like, it's taboo. Like, oh, my goodness. Even when I said the word consecration or sanctification, some of y'all probably got a little uncomfortable. And this word holy is kind of an archaic word, right? And let me tell you, if you feel a little uncomfortable with that word, you're not alone, and I'm with you. 
And I, well, to, to a great degree, I am with you. I get it. And I'll share a little bit of my story here in a second. But here's a question. What intimidates you about the word holy? Just something to think about. That's a rhetorical question. What intimidates us about that word? Is it too high and lofty? Is it, is it too separate from what we know? And if we're looking at ourselves in the mirror, I know, come on, let's be honest, we don't always see holiness. But I think that what intimidates us is that we don't fully understand that word. So we're going to unpack it just a tad bit. But you know what happens? When you're intimidated by something, when there's intimidation, there's, there's a natural reaction to do certain things. When, when someone is afraid, what are some things that you do when you're afraid? You hide. You, 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 somebody, you fight. Or you become defensive. Or you run. Right? Sometimes anger comes out. Right? I think a lot of times anger, if somebody, someone who's always has like a bad temper and they're angry all the time, there's probably some fear or insecurities that they are dealing with, right? And so I think in the same way, if we're intimidated by, oops, if we are intimidated by this term, it's probably because we don't get it. And here are some things that we often do. Um, we lower the standard. And that's part of being defensive. It's like, no, no, it doesn't, that doesn't, it doesn't take all of that, right? This whole thing about being holy, and we, we actually, we actually sometimes can twist what God says in Scripture because it seems too lofty, and we are intimidated by that level or what we perceive to be a certain level that we're supposed to live in, and then we start to acquiesce to things that we feel, acquiesce to our abilities to live out a life that is pleasing to God. Um, or we begin to give in to what society says because sometimes to be holy means to go against culture. And so if the culture is saying one thing and if, and, and if it's like the majority of the culture and it's coming fast and it's coming hot, the easy thing sometimes is to retreat. And that's, those are fruits of intimidation. And so I think sometimes what, what, what helps is if we get a better understanding of something, we won't, we won't be afraid of it, right? We'll actually embrace it. And so I, I look at it like this. When it comes to holiness or being holy, there's a, what I would call a religious concept of it. And that's, and we'll, we'll unpack this very quickly. And then there's the, the, the biblical concept of it. In other words, there's the wrong concept so when I say religious, I want us to understand um, the Bible talks about religion in a very positive way, but for the sake of what in our day and age, religion has come to be almost like a byword. It's, it's a set of rules and regulations. It's us trying to do um, something to be made right before God. It's doing something out of obligation. And it is something that a lot of us, Lauren talked about it. She was raised in it, but it wasn't real to her until in the eighth grade, she truly met the Lord. And so there's a difference between having a set number of rules you have to keep, which we'll call religion, and having an active relationship with the living God. And that's what Jesus came to offer. Can I get an amen? And so there's the quote-unquote religious idea of holiness, and then there's the biblical idea. We'll put this up real quick. And so holiness, and I'm just going, that's, that's the biblical 
word, right? And we're going to stick with that definition. It actually denotes distinction. The Bible lays it out as something that's a positive. It's almost like a badge of honor. We'll talk about that in a moment. But when it comes to seeing holiness as like these rules that you have to follow alone, that's legalism. That is, you are caught up in the law, in the legality of it, in the things you have to do. Not the things you get to do, but things you have to do and the things you have to abstain from. It's more focused on disallowance. So there's a difference. One is distinction, set-apartness, and we'll get into that. The other is disallowance. And I'm, I'm going to tell you a little bit of my story. When I first became a believer, and I was a, a freshman in college at the end of my freshman year, but then it was in my sophomore year when I went back to college, and I'm like, I, mean, I have to live this thing out. And I was obsessed and preoccupied with the things I could not do anymore. And I remember being in a Bible study, and I was that small group member that was like, wait a minute, you're saying I can't do this? <laughs> wait a minute. Like, like, really? And I had a wrong idea of what it meant to be holy. I was more preoccupied with what I didn't, what I no longer could do versus what I was freed up now to do. Does that make sense? See, I had the wrong idea of freedom. And so this passage right here really unpacks it, but take that to the bank. Holiness is all about distinction, not disallowance. If you're focusing on disallowance and what you cannot do, then you're probably falling into more of a legalistic mindset. And what happens is, and we'll talk about this shortly, what happens when we are more caught up in the activities or behavior modification, doing things on the outside like the people of Israel, they thought circumcision is what it was. And it's not just about what we do on the outside. If that is the case, it's only a matter of time before you experience religious burnout. And so what you're either going to do, you're going to get, get to a place where you feel like you have nothing else to give, nothing left to give, and you give up on God and you, you what quote unquote, backslide or you begin to fall into these ruts of struggles over and over again. Or you're holding on and you're white knuckling and you're doing all these things on the outside, but your heart is not truly right before the Lord. You're not truly free. And you know what happens when we have the outward activities, but we're not truly, our heart is not right before God? We become religiously proud. And we become judgmental. And, and we forget that's not the gospel, right? Here's the third thing I could have put up. There's holiness, distinction, right? That's, the, that's where we want to be. There's legalism, which focuses on disallowance. And what I didn't put up there is what people might call licentiousness, right? Or, or, or license, meaning holiness is the right note to hit. Legalism is, I got to keep all these set rules and regulations. But license says that there are no rules or regulations to keep. Jesus died for me. I accepted him. I got fire insurance. I'm not going to hell. Praise God. Let's go party, and I'm not, I don't have to represent Jesus in my lifestyle and what I say and what I do. I have a license to sin because God gives grace. That's not the gospel, okay? So let's, let's, let's jump into this a little bit, right? So what's the deal with this word holy? Leviticus 11, 44, and keep a look on the, keep an eye on the clock. He says, I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. That's the motive right there. He's like, I want you to be this way because this is the way I am. 
And this is an attribute of God. God does not just, you know, Jehovah do holy acts. He's not like, oh, I'm going to do this act over here because that's a holy thing to do. Okay, let me calculate what would be the holy thing to do. Let me do this. No, he is holy. It's an attribute of his character. And everything he does is holy. That's just who he is. And he is like putting this on us. He's affirming us and saying, because I am holy, this is now what I'm saying about you. But that word consecrate, the word consecrate means to be holy, to be sanctified, be separate, to be, everybody say set apart. One more time, say set apart. Or it means to show oneself sacred or majestic. Have you guys ever thought of being holy as being majestic? You don't have to answer that question. I did not. I had not thought of it that way. But that's what the Bible is, is saying. To be consecrated means to be set apart, to be honored, to be treated as sacred or to dedicate. I see nothing negative in there. Facts only. Come on, somebody. And then next, it, it, here's, that's the Old Testament. And then the word holy in the New Testament simply means set apart by God or for God. It means to put something aside for a specific or purpose, a specific purpose or usage. That's good news. This is what God is saying when he's saying Todd, when he's saying Corlin, when he's saying Yamima, I'm calling you to be holy. He's saying I'm setting you apart because there's something special here and I want to use you in a special way. That's why I'm putting it to the side. Come on, when you have something to do and you know you don't want to forget something and you know I gotta, there's a potluck happening and I got to make sure I bring the hot sauce because you got to bring some Louisiana hot sauce to a potluck, right? And you don't want to forget it. What you do? You set it by the door. You set it aside for special use, somebody. Come on. You can put it on pizza. Sometimes you put it on chips. Anyway, I'm not even going to go there. But to be set apart, and we see it all throughout society. You know where we see it in society? In the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame, that people are, they are set apart for a special purpose. They're saying these individuals are special. They have people's like gym shoes that were baseball shoes that were worn back in like the 1920s. They set it apart for a special purpose. And what's interesting about the Hall of Fame, depending on, I, I think in baseball, they called it like a shrine. Like they treat it as holy. People are, they literally say this person was enshrined into the Hall of Fame because they understand that there's a purpose for that and for them, and there's a special purpose, so we're going to give them a distinction. We're not going to treat them as commoners. Just this past Sunday, no surprise, the Bears lost, okay? The, the, for those who don't care, the Bears are the Chicago <laughs> National Football League team, okay? And so, but they, they played against um, a, a, a football player that many believe um, to be the greatest quarterback of all time. Say Aaron Rodgers, oh no, we're about to start something. But they didn't play Aaron Rodgers, he beat them the week before. <laughs> but this was Tom Brady, and Tom Brady tossed a touchdown, and he threw, you know what number touchdown he threw? It was the 600th touchdown. No, 600! Wow. It's crazy, like, no one had ever done that in the history of the National Football League. It's crazy. And so guess what happens? So this guy, in fact, we want to put a picture up, right? So this is um, the receiver named Mike Evans. He caught 
the touchdown. And what people do, they run into the stands, the players, and they give a football to those who are cheering in the, in the end zone. And so he catches this football, and he goes, and he does what he does, and he gives it to this gentleman right here. You can barely see it, but, but that's what he's doing. He's giving the football to this gentleman who's in his stands. And the gentleman's like, man, thank you, right? And so the guy, Mike Evan, goes back to the bench, and then Tom Brady says, you realize that was the football for my 600th touchdown pass. And this was his reaction right there. <laughs> so they had to go back and negotiate with the gentleman and get the football back. But you know what's crazy is he, they negotiated, he got the football back, and they gave him another football signed by Tom Brady. Thank you. They gave him a Tom Brady jersey sign. Thank you. Um, but the football he gave them back on the auction market would have been worth $750,000 to a million dollars. Mike Evans was treating something that should have been set apart as something that was common. And a whole firestorm went down. Later, they compensated him a little more. But if I were him, I would have left as soon as I got that football. Like, OK, honey, let's go. Let's go. I'm so serious. Come on, we could have supported a lot of missionaries with that money. Come on. <laughs> but you know what? Holiness is less about following a set of rules and more about being set apart. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. And so when we live out holiness, it sets you apart to live out your purpose. What I want us to walk away with, guys, is that this thing of holiness, when we really get it, I think that it, it, it's appropriate to call it the joy of holiness. That's what God wants us to experience, the joy of holiness. You know, I'm still growing like all of us here are, um, but I know there have been areas in my life where I didn't get this, and then when I got it and God got a hold of that area and I was able to walk in his identity, not in behavior change, but his identity, knowing, okay, I am holy. I see myself differently because of who God is. And then the behavior began to change, right? That's freedom. That's joy. Not religious white knuckling. That's a drudgery, okay? And so I think a lot of times we, see, we don't see holiness as an honor. We see it as a burden. That's how we see it. In fact, I have a quick video I want to show. And as we... Uh, show this video. I'm going to ask if, is Cameron here with us? Can somebody play on, on the keys, if that's okay? We're going to be closing here in a moment. Um, but I, we, I want to show you guys this quick video. I'm going to set it up real quick. And so we, um, we, we celebrated Juneteenth. That's what we do. Come on, somebody. Juneteenth. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's a day that should be celebrated. And so we, this past year, in the summer, what we did was we... Um, decided as a community that we were going to do a sunrise hangout. So we went to the beach and we saw the sunrise. We, we brought our two kids, Chandra and I, and a bunch of our friends came and it was cool. We went out to get breakfast and across the street from the breakfast spot when we finished, um, was the, um, there was a firehouse and with, with firefighters and all that, right? And so I'm like, man, this would be really cool to go take the kids and let them, every kid wants to see a big fire truck, right? And so, and, and so we went across the street and the firefighters were so generous and I got a lot of video that would show you me having a lot of fun. The kids were terrified, but I was having a ton of fun. They turned the, ho the hose on, I'm jumping in the water like this and my, I got a picture of both my kids running with like this terrified look on their face and I'm in there like, yes, yes, yes. Anyway, 
they, they um, since then, we've been getting counseling for them for all their trauma and all that. No, no, it, it, was, it was a bunch of fun. But what they did was they did an exercise for us. And we'll show the video before we play a little something. But they did an exercise to show how fast they can get into their uniforms. And so, Becky, you, you were there with us, right? They, they video has them jumping in. They get into their uniforms in 45 seconds, like, bam. And it was, like, really, like, amazing to see. But they told us that their uniforms weigh up to 75 pounds with equipment. And I'm like, how do you guys, like, you know, and, and these aren't, like, big dudes and big women, right? How do you, and they say, when we train, we just get used to it after a while. And after a while, it's just, like, we're just wearing it. And I was like, man, isn't that like, see, I think when we, when it comes to holiness sometimes, when, think of that area in your life that you're struggling to get victory in. And if we have the wrong mentality, if it's legalism, and we try our best to, to, to start living differently, we try our best to modify our behavior, you know what happens? It's a burden, and it's uncomfortable. And what we do is we take it off because that's a weight. That's 75 pounds. I don't need that. I, I, I was more comfortable over here even though I was not living in victory, even though I was not walking in God's identity in my life, but it was more comfortable. But doing this is too uncomfortable, man. I'm not, I'm not used to this, and so we take it off. If you are just trying to modify your behavior, there's a short shelf life for that season. But if we receive God's identity that we've been set apart, that we have a special purpose, that God has a special purpose for me, and that me walking in this and walking away from that is setting me up for my purpose, and this is God's identity because he's put it on me, and it's a mark of distinction, not having anything to do with disallowance. Let me tell you, now you're walking in it. And it's only a matter of time. Even if you stumble, you're like, oh, that's the old me, but this is the new me. And it's only a matter of time before it doesn't feel like a weight anymore. In fact, it's a uniform that's a mark of distinction. It's a uniform like those firefighters. They wear that thing with dignity. It may weigh a lot, but no longer does it weigh that much because they're used to it. Because they've exercised themselves in it. God is calling us to embrace holiness, the joy of holiness, and then the behavior for sure does follow. Somebody say, God is calling us. God is calling us. He's calling us, not just me. That's why he says, we are a holy what? Nation. One more time. We are a nation. A nation is a large body of people united by common descent, history, culture, language, or whatever it may be. Okay, so that's, that's a nation, all right? There's different kinds of nations. You have democracies, you have communist nations, you have socialist nations, you have monarchies, you have oligarchies, you have all these different kinds of nations. God said, you, you're going to be a holy nation. That's what is going to mark you. In other words, it's not just personal holiness, it's corporate holiness that God is calling us to. In other words, I can't do it alone. I need you. We need each other. Our mission statement right here that we have as a ministry is building a citywide community. We need to all be together. Tonight is really beautiful. We have people from all over the city. We need to be with one another in order to make a global impact. Our vision statement is this. It is a spirit-filled generation engaging God in the context of, everybody say, community. In fact, you see our three, what we call our pillars. We see God, 
community in mission. By the way, I think we might have some swag here. If anybody want to buy some, we got some God community mission shirts. I'm just, just saying, just saying. Our sister Jolene hooked it up. Come on. It's her birthday. Happy birthday, Jolene. Thanks for all. She's giving us gifts on her birthday. But that word nation means ethnos. It's literally like a, a race or a tribe. God is calling us to be a new people group. That's what we are. What binds us together is our relationship with Christ. And so in being called into this new nation, it means that we have to lay down things that are not of the kingdom culture. It's a new culture he's calling us to. Sadly, um, we saw, I saw believers that I respected highly when things really hit the fan with all of the racial upheaval and other things in society, I began to see people's Americanism get confused with their Christianity. Well, I saw that, and I'm no, I know that I am not alone. But that's on a macro level. But even in our own lives, are there cultural things that we need to like lay down and come and embrace the family of God with a new, I would consider the Bible our constitution, if you're tracking with me, right? And everything has to go through the holy scriptures. If we want to see the joy of holiness, we just a little, little softer, guys. Thank you. If we want to see the joy of holiness, we have to go from me to we. I'm going to read some scriptures here. We can look on the screen. Tell me if these are me statements or we statements. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Is that a me or a we statement? It's a we statement. Hebrews 3.13, it says, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. Encourage one another at small group only. Encourage one another at thermostat only. No, it says daily, so that none of you may be hardened through by hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Is that a me or a we statement? It's a we statement. Another scripture. It says, and let us consider how we may spur each other on to Lord love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other how often? And all the more as you see the day approaching. That's a we statement. The final one is in Ecclesiastes. Simple. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Your holiness and walking in that identity is directly tied and it's accelerated to the extent that we engage in community. He's not just addressing me as somebody, but all of us as a body. Why do we embrace being a nation? And what does that look like? It looks like this. It looks like this, okay? Chi Alpha, it looks like this. We don't just dabble in community. We dig in. We don't just visit. We stay. We don't shame. We cover. We don't give up on one another. We go on with one another. We don't cancel people. We carry their burdens. We don't connect when it's convenient, but even when it's costly. We trust enough to confess. We care enough to confront. We love enough to forgive. We don't hoard our times, but we lay down our lives for each other. We fly the flag of holiness, follow the way of scripture, and submit to Jesus as our king. We are a holy nation. We are a holy nation. 
And we are a community. Sanctification is not cultivated in isolation. Let's worship. And as they get us set for worship, I just want you to pray those two things back to God. Lord, give me a better understanding of you as holy. This is what keeps that a wrong concept of who God is as holy keeps those who are not Christian from becoming Christian. And, and maybe you're here tonight and you're not Christian. Ask God to reveal himself for what he, who he really is. And then this is what keeps those who are Christian who are struggling from overcoming a wrong concept. God, give us a fresh revelation. And secondly, we need to lean into the fact that we are a nation. Let's worship. Hey, thanks again for tuning into this week's podcast episode from our thermostat series, Freedom and Purpose, from 1 Peter 2, verse 9. Hey, we pray that you will be reminded and encouraged by today's message and how there is freedom and purpose in the context of consecration and in the community. We'll see you here again on the next episode in our Freedom and Purpose series.